Good evening, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us. It is a privilege and an honor to have you with us here at Norwich. If you're just visiting this evening, thank you so much for being here. It's happy to see your smiling faces. So please, there are no more announcements today, except for there is a service tomorrow at 10.30, and Sim will be speaking for roughly 45 minutes. Well, <laughs> and if the kids could bring their toys, that would be good as well. <laughs> so that's all the announcements, and Sim, I wish you would speak for an hour, that would be good. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, let us go to a word of prayer as we begin this evening. Father, who else can clench the wind in his fists. Father, who else can wrap the waters up in his garment or put on light as a cloak? What very tassel of his robe can fill the temple? There is none but you. Yet you came out of your great power and glory needing a mother to care for. And Lord, tonight we lift our voices and praise and sing to you for what you have done for us. Father, without your son, we would still be stuck in our sins and our transgressions, Lord. They would overwhelm us and we would be in despair if it wasn't for what you have done to make peace with us. And Lord, tonight, we will never be able to give you the full glory or honor that you must receive. But Lord, tonight, we strive to lift our voices to make it pleasing and to find favor in your sight this evening. So Lord, may this evening come with power. May you change us and may we grow in fear of you. Bless each and every person here this evening, Lord. Keep evil far from us. Keep lies and deceits from us that we might live pure lives before you. And everyone said, Amen. All right, friends, the choir.
needed the light of Christ. Hope was in short supply. The prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of the Savior. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what they can see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. Come, Emmanuel, from our fears and sins, release us. Come, Emmanuel, we long for your advent. Come, Emmanuel.
2, verses 11 to 14. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And he came to us. The Creator became like the created, that we could know Him. Angels announced the birth first to the shepherds on a lonely Judean hillside. Fear not, these are tidings of great joy. He shall be called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Worship the newborn King. Worship the Child of Joy. saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, where it rose, and have come to worship him. Shepherds worshipped him, kings bowed to him. And yet this king of kings was born that night in a humble stable. A simple entrance into the world that changed it forever. Sing and rejoice, Emmanuel, God is with us. Celebrate God's gift of love and dance for joy. 
justified through faith we have peace with God through Christ follow us to Bethlehem walk the dusty roads to a manger where no one would expect the light of the world to first reside on earth now come into the stable lit by simple candles and embrace the peace of God Thank you. 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become children of the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This holy light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it.
singing carols of joy and peace but you feel too far gone and too far out of reach
That's very good. Well done. Okay. So I had applied to join the choir, but uh, no one replied to my application form. <laughs> and I, I, I took it quite personally and felt they didn't want me involved, which is uh, probably quite reasonable. I, I feel strange talking from this, uh, this side of the church, um, so I might wander over there occasionally. I hope the uh, loudspeaker doesn't uh, make too many noises. Um, <clears throat> If you've uh, got a Bible and you'd like to turn with me to First uh, John, John 1, and uh, chapter 1, and just four verses. That's all I want to read this evening. <clears throat> now, these four verses contain a massive amount of information that could take us a long time to uh, actually speak uh, on. But uh, we won't do that because I just want to make three very simple points, or to raise, or to highlight three very simple points that uh, are shown to us in these uh, four verses. But of course, 1 John and chapter 1 is uh, a section of Scripture that sometimes is read out at Christmas time, at Advent time, um, but all too often it's not. It's a section of Scripture that tends to be forgotten. Now, of course, we know that there's a great similarity between 1 John 1 and John's Gospel, chapter 1. And uh, John, the Apostle John, had penned through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the uh, Gospel of John, and then John uh, 1, 2, and 3, and of course, the Revelation. So we read this. I want you to listen as carefully as you can so that you can take some of the nuances that are spoken of here. Um, I've uh, highlighted in my Bible some of the words uh, because they are important words. Words, of course, are always important, and it's good to be able to understand that. So John says, that which was from the beginning. So there's one word to look at, beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. This is all very personal, isn't it? But you know what? It's these personal accounts in Scripture that help us to be able to understand so much of what is being spoken to us. Our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. Now that word manifested is, uh, I'm reading from the NKJV, and the word manifested means to be revealed, to be seen, to be made clear. Manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Wow, what an absolutely magnificent four verses that we have before us. And I hope that we'll be able to begin to understand uh, what, uh, uh, what they begin uh, and mean to us. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, I like stories. And if you think back to when you were a child, I know for me it's a long time to be able to think back. Some of you might be able to uh, uh, be a little bit younger and to be able to think back to some stories. Now, we in our household, we like to, uh, to tell stories. Now, what stories do you think we tell uh, to our, our, our middle uh, girls at, uh, at bedtime? Josephine, any ideas? 
just William and the child catcher. And I hope there's no one from CAS here because they'd be worried about the second set of stories. Just William. Who's Just William's arch enemy? Sadie Fletcher. Now, Sadie Fletcher is modeled on a girl that I was terrified of at school growing up. Uh, she was bigger than me, and uh, she ruled the class with a rod of iron, and everybody had to do as she was told. So Just William, you've probably heard of, but we also include in our stories uh, Sadie Fletcher, and Sadie Fletcher always gets Just William into trouble. But the words, once upon a time, are words which I'm sure all of us can relate to and remember. Sometimes when you see uh, perhaps a book lying around, a children's book, you pick it up, and the very first words that you read are once upon a time. And the minute you hear those words, you begin to think to yourself, wow, you're entering into perhaps a world of make-believe, a world where reality is detached from what you're feeling and facing. And as children, we like that. So when it comes to the stories that I tell our girls as they're going to bed quite often at, uh, at nighttime, we're able to enter into this incredible world. The pictures are better in their minds than even the pictures that you could get in a book because your imagination is able to create this persona, this huge picture. And I've often thought, and, and I would st stick by this, that radio drama, the pictures are better, they're more colorful, they're huge, they're exciting than you'll ever see on a film or a video or something of that sort. But there comes a point in our lives, doesn't there, when suddenly, once upon a time, just doesn't do it anymore. Because you've grown up and you become sort of like a teenager and you're suddenly thinking to yourself, it's all rubbish. It's not true. And then suddenly the reality of life becomes something very powerful and very strong <clears throat> perhaps in your life. And all of a sudden you discover that life is no longer a playground. It's actually a battlefield. And you've got to keep your head below the parapet very often because people are throwing things at you. It hurts. Life can be incredibly painful. Life can be full of stresses and difficulties. People will say unkind things about you. Suddenly you get the gas bill or the electric bill and suddenly you think to yourself, it's going to be tight this month. Because life, the real life that we face, is not the life that we see with the words that begin once upon a time. Now, John, very, very ably and very wonderfully through the power of the Holy Spirit, tells us some things contained here in his uh, little epistle and, uh, and those four verses which tell us about the real life that we face. And some of you here this evening... <clears throat> are here because somebody invited you to come along and hear a cantata, which is a story, isn't it? It's a story in, in music. It takes you from there all the way to here, and sometimes we learn some wonderful things just by hearing music and songs that are being sung. And that's why churches do this, because we're able to see some deep doctrine presented in the songs and in the hymns that we sing. So all the way through the history of the church, the, the, the Bible has a whole hymn book inside it, and it's a joy to be able to sing some of those psalms and to be able to learn some of the things that uh, are presented to us. And of course, the search for something real is not new. 
It's been going on since the beginning of human history. Men and women have been looking for reality and satisfaction in all sorts of different areas. We look for it in wealth, for example. Listening to a radio program this week of the fact that people are getting poorer for the first time. There is a recorded measurement that people's wealth is deteriorating across the Western world. And the future isn't great. It's amazing how bankers, sorry John, have changed the word debit and credit so that credit now means good, whereas in eight days gone, well, sorry, credit is bad, whereas in days gone by, credit was good. When your account was in credit, that was a good thing. But now you're encouraged to take credit out and we discover that things are changing. But people have looked for this real satisfaction in wealth, in thrills, in conquest, in power, in learning. And I've got to say this to you, even in religion. There's a sense that religion is able to help us in the world and in the life in which we live. But the problem with that subject or with that word of just religion, it doesn't help us in, in the sense that religion is a case of what you do. Religion always has been. But what we're interested in, what we're concerned with, is what Christ has done for us. And of course, that brings us to Christmas very aptly. And it brings us to the manger scene. It brings us to the baby that is presented uh, in the manger. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with any of these experiences, is there? You know, money's a good thing when it's used correctly and when we understand what the perspective is, except that by themselves, these things never really satisfy. Wanting something real and finding something real are two different things. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, the circus or to uh, one of the fairs that take place, and you've bought one of those big, um, I think you call it cotton candy here. I want to call it cotton um, uh, candy floss, but cotton candy. And, and you see this great big thing, and, and, <laughs> and you open your mouth as wide as you can, and you, you take a lunge at it, uh, and you bite off a piece, and all of a sudden, you've discovered you've got nothing in your mouth at all. Have you ever had that experience? There's nothing to it, just a bit of sweetness, perhaps, but it's, it's gone. It's dissolved. You've got a mouth of nothing, and yet it looks so promising when you began to take it. And often, that is what our lives can be like. We can waste years, decades, on empty substitutes for reality. And this is where John's magnificent letter comes in so clearly for us, because John is talking about reality. He's making sure that we understand what is the truth, what is reality, and what is important, and he clearly explains this to us. John had discovered that satisfying reality is not to be found in things or thrills, but in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John wastes no time in telling us about living the reality of the uh, Christian life there in just the first four verses. And as you read these four verses in 1 John 1, you're confronted with three vital facts, and we're going to look at them very, very briefly about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first fact is this. That life, the life of Christ, is revealed. It's not hidden. 
And there are people today who go around thinking to themselves, but I don't understand. It's because they don't want to understand. I can't see it. It's because they don't want to see it. I don't know who Jesus is. It's because they don't listen. It's because their ears are blocked. It's because they've got an agenda which is to exclude Jesus completely. And they discover that they're not actually interested in making any time for Jesus. You know, if we want to say Christmas time, and, and, and it's a big subject, and it's just a good time of the year that I make the most of the opportunities to be able to share the gospel with, because you can talk to people about the gospel, perhaps in a, in a, in a different way at this time of the year, and it's an opportunity that we make the most of and that we do. But they've gone all year avoiding Jesus, avoiding any interaction with him. The government tells the whole of the population of Canada that what we're talking about is fables, old wives' tales, fairy tales, once upon a time. And John comes in and he says, no, it's not. This is the real thing. And then he tells us how we are able to be sure and be certain that it is. So the very first fact is that this life, the life of Jesus, is revealed. In verse 2, John makes the statement that Jesus was not hidden so that we have to search for him. So let's just read verse 2 together. And it simply says, The life was manifested, it was revealed, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. It's not hidden. There's no secrets involved here. It's there for all to see. Now, of course, uh, we read in Romans chapter 1, don't we, that uh, in creation, God showed himself to the world. And you've only got to go outside and to look around and to see and to marvel at the creation around us. And you recognize, you know, the greatest mathematician in the world could never calculate how it would be possible from, from a mathematical perspective for evolution to take place and scientists are determined to think that it happened twice on at least another planet somewhere and yet creation isn't enough to tell us the whole story of God's love and then we have the Bible presented to us and right the way this morning as we saw in Genesis chapter 3 those verses that are described as the Proto-Evangelium, the first account of the gospel. And right the way through, God has revealed more to us. But of course, the greatest revelation of God's love to you and to me was His Son, Jesus. What did our Lord himself say in John 14, verse 9? He said this, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And because Jesus is God's revelation of himself, he has a very special name. And that name is told us in chapter 1, verse 1. And that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That's the name that's given to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a wonderful name. But what does it mean? What does it mean?
begin to understand that Jesus in his word the word that is spoken to us is the way in which we live out our lives and the words that we speak to others is the word which is important. John had committed himself to Jesus as his Savior and Lord, and Jesus Christ was real and exciting to John and the other apostles because they had trusted him. And by trusting him, John experienced eternal life. Jesus Christ is to us what our words are to others. You see, our words reveal to others just what we think and how we are feeling. When someone upsets us, our words make it clear that we are upset. And Jesus Christ reveals to us the mind and the heart of God. He is the living means of communication between God and man. And to really know Jesus is to know God. So knowing Jesus is the place where we start. Be careful about head knowledge. Knowing the Bible inside out doesn't save you. It might make you good at Bible quizzes, but it won't save you. You have to believe the word that Jesus is the word. So that's the first point. The second point is this life is experienced. And when you read the first four verses of John 1, 1, you have to conclude that John had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you read that, you just highlight those words that come out so clearly. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, John is saying, I heard Jesus. Which we have seen, John is saying, I saw Jesus and the other apostles, of course. How did he see them? Was it through some letter, some words that were spoken? No. And just to make sure we understand it, he says, with our eyes. So this is an eyewitness account that John is explaining to us, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled and touched. Now, there's nothing else that we can talk about here. This is the clarity that is given to us. And so John is saying, you can trust what I'm saying. You can believe and understand what it is that I am saying. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with him. So we discover that uh, this life has to be experienced. It wasn't a second-hand religious experience that John is talking about. It wasn't something that he'd seen or heard from somebody else. What John is talking about is an experience that was real. John knew Jesus Christ face to face. John and the other apostles heard Jesus preach and speak. They saw him as he lived with them. In fact, the apostles studied Jesus very carefully, as did the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were determined to try and catch him out. What are you doing on the Sabbath? Oh, you're healing people. Well, that's no good, is it? Because they were watching every move that he made. And John says, I watched every move that he made. I heard everything that he said. And you can trust me, and I'm explaining this to you. So we discover that life, this life has to be experienced. 
John had committed himself to Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ was real and exciting to John and the other apostles because they had trusted him. And by trusting him, John experienced eternal life. Now, somebody might say, yeah, it's great for John, isn't it? Because he saw and he heard Jesus, shook hands with him. But we're living 2,000 years later. Now, God, that's not fair. The point that John is really making here is that it was because he knew Jesus spiritually. Yes, he could talk to him. He could walk with him. But John trusted in him. And six times in John's letter, he uses the phrase, be born of God. And this wasn't an idea that John had invented. No, John had heard Jesus use these words. And if you go back to John's gospel, chapter 3 and verse 3, except a man be born again, Jesus had said, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then our Lord says this, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Friends, according to God's word, we can only experience the life that is real after we have believed the gospel after we have put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, after we have been born again. And some people recoil at that. That's too easy. I tell you, that's absolutely not the case. Because to be born again, we have to be raised from the state of death that we're in. And we have to have the breath of God breathed into us. We have to be regenerated. And that is through our faith and our trust in a God who never turns us away. So Jesus is revealed to us and then the real life has to be experienced. But lastly, once we've experienced that real life, Something incredible happens to us, and this is one of the greatest evidences that you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been asking yourself, am I a Christian? <laughs> Some of you might have been asking that question this evening. And here's a large part of the answer that can give you satisfaction, can give you the assurance that you're looking for. Does it mean anything to you? Is it so meaningful that you want to go out into the world and share the gospel with people around you? If you're going to keep quiet and avoid meeting people and not talking about your faith and not demonstrating your faith in the way you live your Christian life, that's because you haven't got a Christian life. And John says that. He says, we've got to go and have fellowship with other people. In these few verses, he makes that so clear. And he says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full, your joy may be complete. Now, we've had a very similar experience to this little account that I'm going to read to you. And then we come to an end. <clears throat> um, ours appeared on Facebook. They didn't have the nerve to talk to us personally. But a pastor had a phone call from a very angry, irate woman 
And she said this, she said, I've received a piece of religious literature from your church. She shouted this down the phone. And I resent you using the mail to upset people. Now, in our case, it was because our evangelism team knocked on some doors to share the gospel. What was so upsetting about the piece of mail from a church, the pastor asked calmly. You have no right to try and change my religion, the woman shouted back. You have your religion, she continued, and I have mine, and I'm not trying to change yours. Well, actually, she was. But the pastor didn't argue with her. Changing your religion or anybody else's religion is not our purpose, the pastor graciously and gently explained. But he said this, but we have experienced a wonderful new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And we want to do all we can to share it with you. Some people, including Christians, have the mistaken idea that witnessing means arguing about the differences in religious belief. Wrong. That's not what John had in mind. He told us that witnessing means sharing our spiritual experiences with others, both by the lives that we live and by the words that we speak. And so this Christmas, as we have heard in the Christmas music sung and the music sung to us, Jesus was revealed to us as he was born into this world. The life that is real must be experienced by you. If you want joy this Christmas, you need to place your trust, your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent. You need to change your mind. You need to turn to him. Jesus explained that we needed to be born again. Have you experienced this new life? Do you know what it is to be born again? If you're not interested in sharing the gospel with those around us, you've got to ask yourself some questions. And then when we have been born of God, we discover that we want to share the exciting new life that we have with others. Let's pray. Graciously, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Wonderful word in these four verses that we've looked at. We've not done them justice this evening, but we praise you for what we've been able to consider. And I pray, loving Heavenly Father, that as we bring our program this evening to a close, that you'd help us to go away through your Holy Spirit to ponder the question, am I born again? Or am I just religious? Am I just doing the right things, saying the right things, making sure that when people are looking, I do the right things? Because that won't see us into your kingdom, into heaven. It is only through putting our faith and our trust and our belief and our hope. It is only through believing in all that you have done for us that we will ever be saved, born again. So Lord... 
prompt our hearts and spirits, we pray, this Christmas time to seek you as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been asked to ask if the children would come forward now to sing uh, to us away in a manger.
are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father God, may your gift of, your gift of love overwhelms us and fills our hearts with joy. May we respond by never fearing the darkness of this world, but instead by sharing your holy light that will never be quenched.
verse 2. The people walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Rejoice. The light of the world has come to earth. The world still needs the light of Christ. Hope is sometimes in short supply. And yet we rejoice as we share this good news. O come, all ye faithful, we are truly joyful and triumphant. People arise, open your eyes. Our light, light has, has come.
Well, thank you so much for joining us. Can we give the choir just another round of applause, please? You guys did a very good job, so thank you all. They were practicing hard each and every Sunday. So I'll just have a prayer. I'll read a benediction, and then there will be coffee and refreshments downstairs. So please join in prayer. the one who rules over the heavens and the earth, who is far greater than all of creation put together. Lord, you have provided a way for us to come to you, to get to know you, Lord. May we heed this advice, have wisdom, this Christmas, Lord, that we might be able to share in the inheritance that is for us, Lord, because for the Christian, every day seems to be Christmas, seems to be full of joy and gladness, Lord. For, Lord, you have so much in store for us, maybe not material, physical things, Lord, but a relationship with one who will make us sleep soundly, who will clear our minds of all anxiety and depression and will give us new affections and new desires not to love ourselves but those around us and find meaning in this world. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Bless us as we go now. Keep us again, Lord, from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.